Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. So good to be in the house of the Lord. We're going to make an announcement here, but I am going to say this announcement so you know everything happening right here, right now, is not going to be happening next week because next week we will have no six o'clock service. Let me tell you why that is. Because it's kind of like when you start a church and you're happy that people would even want to come to a four o'clock service, literally. Like, you're just happy people want to come. And then the space starts getting filled up and then you're going to have a six o'clock service. And it's, I'm 42 years old. Six o'clock service is not the plan that I ever had. I had. I'd like to be home, sleep, but I love you guys. So here we are at six o'clock. But the problem is there are literally people in the four o'clock service that have no idea you exist on the planet, right? And there are people at the six o'clock that don't know the people at the four o'clock. So we're going to have kind of a moment where we all meet each other and we're all going to get connected. It's going to be amazing. So this is what we're going to do, right? So we're going to have one service next week. We're all going to be in this space. So this is, this is not totally full, but like it was more full at the four. So I don't know what we're going to do. So just is, I don't know, we just pray against the fire trucks, but I don't know what we're going to do. Um, but it is going to be packed in here. I encourage, so if you can, please come to the four o'clock service uh, next Sunday. Um, we will not be having a six o'clock service. Amen. Don't, don't show up. At six, I would hate that for you. Um, So after four years of pastoring this church, here's what I can predict and forecast. Every weekend this year, people are going to come to this church. Every single weekend. I, I just have four and a half years of evidence to know. Every single weekend. No matter, if, we, if we're having church, people are going to come. And there are going to be new people that have never been to this church, walk into this church. And we have discovered generally there are two ways that people get connected to our church. Sometimes people walk by, but that's rare. But for the most part, a friend told them, this is a cool place to come. And so they're, they, they're trusting in their friend, right? But you know what the other way people come? Google, praise the Lord. They Googled it. They Googled it. And what did you Google? Did anybody Google this church to find anybody, anyone? No one in the service. Praise God. Okay, I got one. Just is there one? Is there two? Okay, admit it, please. So, you know, they Google it. And I don't know what they Google. I don't know what they Google. Cool, cool church, Brooklyn church, cool pastor, amazing dress. No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you Googled, but somehow the Lord brought you here, right? And then you walk into this space and maybe you checked out the podcast and maybe you looked at the Instagram and maybe you went to the Facebook. Who knows? But all those things really don't matter because once you hear the podcast, once you look at the IG and check out the people and all that, once you walk in, it all changes because those images and hearing preaching can't trump atmosphere. When you walk into a space, you immediately kind of get a feeling, is this a place I can trust? People will even hear, you know, amazing preaching and great worship, but it's atmosphere, it's culture, it's environment. And that's not just made up of the leaders, that's all of us. We create atmosphere. We essentially, looking at our church after these few years, there are kind of different places that people are at when they walk in. Yes, there are people who are just simply relocating. They came from another state, they came from another neighborhood, they came from another borough, and they had a really, really good church, and they're looking for another really, really good church. And that is the minority of people we connect with. The other group of people we connect with are people coming with church hurt. In their last church, it was like a breakup. And when you ask them about their church, even though they begin to talk about it, after a while, it'll take them about two minutes, they start talking and you can hear the pain of a broken relationship or there was something that went wrong. And so they're coming in with a bit of baggage from the past church. And those are for people that are churched. 
But then there are people who are unchurched. Oh, yes, there are people who may have had a church experience at one point. But the reason why they walked in here is because that job is suffocating them. And they just need peace. Because a relationship that they thought was going to work out is now broken down and it is not working the way they thought it would. And then many of you can relate to this because there are people who are walking in and life is just not going the way they thought it would. They thought at 26, they would be at some place, but now they're not. They thought at 33, they'd be at some place, and now they're not. They thought at 38, they'd be at some place, but now they're not. And so they're now having a quarter-life crisis. They're having a mid-life crisis, and they're feeling like their life is chaotic and they're lost. And they came to church, not because they're really into church. They came for peace. They came to figure out their life, and they figured a church could help them figure out their life. And then there's another category of person. And this is the people I love. They don't know nothing about church. They're just spiritually curious. They walk in and they're like, sit down, okay. You know, in the worship, he's like, lift your hands. They're like, okay, if you say so. <laughs> Not to be forceful, okay. Right? It's just like they get into it. They don't know. Right? Because church is totally new. And so you have people who are spiritually curious and, and, and they're, they're dealing with life hurt and church hurt and they're, they're dealing with all these issues and all those people I'm talking about are you. And for some reason, you got plugged in at our church and you, you stayed, you remained, you got connected and at some point, you felt this atmosphere was a place that you could grow and you could feel the people like, yes, I, I like it here. And we are gonna continue to grow as a church not because I have some secret sauce not because I have this unique ingredient. Jesus is at work and he's growing people and he's changing people. And this atmosphere that we want to create, it's, it's filled with our purpose statement. Sometimes when people say our purpose statement, they mess up one word, but it makes all the difference in the world. Sometimes people will say the purpose of our church is to meet people where they are and help them grow. And you've only made a mistake in one word. You see, but when I meet people, and I have meetings all the time, when I have a meeting, it's a designated place at a designated time with a designated subject. We have a meeting. We know each other. We connect. We, we're meeting one another. The purpose of our church is not to meet people where they are. It's to reach people where they are. You see, reaching is much different than meeting. Because I meet you on a certain set of terms, but reaching you means I've got to get on your page. I've got to figure out where you are. I've got to contort myself and find out what's going on with you and know what's the story inside your soul and connect it to God. Reaching people where they are. And it is a challenge for us to make sure we're not creating a meet people culture and making a reach people culture. We are a reaching people culture. And when you walk into a church for the first time, you, of course you're here to meet people. You don't know nobody. You're just like, yeah, this is nice. We want you to move from meeting people and we want you to become a person that reaches people. That is part of who we are and why we exist. And what we said last week when Acts chapter one, verse eight, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, that the spirit of God is in you to do great things, that no matter what your past is, that God wants to use you. He has no one on the sidelines. He has no one he's saying that is leftovers. Everyone he has created and he has designated with the power of the spirit to use. And he wants to use you. There's a, a football game happening next weekend called the Super Bowl. The Giants will not be there. Um, they didn't make the playoffs. They made the day offs, praise God. And, um, but they are my team. That's my squad. Those are my people. Mm, I'm a Giants fan. 
And when you go to a Giants game, you can wear all the apparel of your favorite team. You sit in the stands. You sit there and you watch the game and you yell at the players. You celebrate and you have fun. And you're having a good old time because you're watching your team. But you know what's true? You could wear a jersey. You could even buy a helmet, buy cleats. You will get arrested if you try to go from the, from the stands into the field. They will arrest you behind, right? Be locked up for a night. Because what they're saying is, The people in the stands don't have the skills, nor have they had the qualifications to make it into the field. And so in an arena, you have a stands culture and a fields culture. The people in the game and the people in the stands. And the reality is when you're in the game, when you're in the game, when you're working hard, when you're you're that type of person that's trying to get things done and you're reaching and you're going for it, what you do is you get in the game and you go after it hard. Like in the movie Taken, they will say that you have a special set of skills. And in the game, these people, they're well-trained and they're unique and they're special and they've been drafted. And it's very easy to believe that that's the church, that the preachers and the leaders, they're the ones with these special set of skills and that there's the stands out there. And what we said last week is that God does not want an audience. He wants an army. He wants everybody in the game. He wants all types of backgrounds and all types of skill sets and people filled with the Holy Spirit, not in the stands, but in the game. We want you to be in the game. And if you're here for the very first time, This series is really about making sure that everyone is on the same page as we begin the year as a church. And so part of this will feel at times like a a meeting because there will be updates that I give you. But I I have an agenda in this, in this sermon. It is to make sure you know we want you in the game. Now, I will be remiss if I don't point out the fact that The people in the stands are wearing the jersey and the people in the game are wearing the jersey, but there is another uniform at the game. It's a group of people that don't celebrate much, but they tell everybody what they're doing wrong. They're called the ref. And in every church, there's always that group of people. They're not... They're not trying to reach. They're not trying to do anything. They're not trying to break their net. They're not even celebrating the people they are. But what they are doing is telling everybody what they're doing wrong. Don't be a referee, amen? I really don't even have a larger point to say with that, but I just felt like I needed to point that out. The church in the book of Acts, you know what the church starts with? Church starts with 3,000 people. Peter preaches. Thousands of people come to know the Lord. Two weeks later, 5,000 people come to know the Lord. The church is growing. The church is increasing. They're doing multiple service. The worship team is tired and everybody's going crazy. No, that's not what happened. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. It says, when they prayed, because they were facing resistance, they played. The place where they were assembled was shaken they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God more boldly. And what was happening was there was a boldness in the church. People loved Jesus and wanted to tell the world about him. And we said last week, boldness was an aspect of praying bold and specific prayers and speaking boldly about Jesus and living in an authentic fellowship. And so Jesus is permeating your life. And that's how the church was spreading. They were filled with the Spirit, it says. They were bold. The church kept increasing. It kept increasing because the people didn't believe the weekend was the definition of the church. But they were, they were scattered. They were unleashed throughout the week to do ministry wherever they were at. And then it tells us in Acts chapter 6, a problem arose. Because problems rise when there's more people. More people. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now in these days when the disciples were, look what it says, increasing in number. 
more people are coming. A complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So now this is what happens. A church grows, different perspectives start coming in, people from different backgrounds. And this was a very distinct tension because this was the Hebrew culture versus the Hellenist culture, both of them Jews, but both very distinctly different. Hellenists were people, they were Jewish, but they were akin more to Roman culture. Even in reading the Bible, they would read out of what's called the Septuagint, which was the Old Testament written in Greek. They would have their own synagogues they would operate in. They would speak their own language, speaking in classic Greek. Much different than the Hebrews. The Hebrews would speak in Hebrew, praise God, and... (laughs) And in Aramaic, okay? And so, and they also would read out of the Hebrew Bible. So they have their own synagogues. The Hebrews have their synagogues and the Hellenists have their synagogues and everyone have their own beliefs, own perceptions and understandings of the Old Testament. But then people started getting saved and they became into a relationship with Jesus. And they came into the same church in the same community And the Hellenists and the Hebrews were there. And what they wanted to do in this community was serve the oppressed and the marginalized. And that was the widows and orphans. If you were a widow, that meant that you essentially had no one taking care of you because in that culture, you needed a husband to be able to survive. You don't need that today, praise God. So in line, I don't need a man, praise God. So, right, somebody... Somebody said, that's not the day. I I pay my rent, praise God. Just talking about church history, hello. So, right, so so widows, so if you did not have a husband, it was hard to, listen, seriously though, if you didn't have a husband, it was hard to survive. So, so, So the church decided we will serve the marginalized and the oppressed by having a daily distribution of food. We will serve it out to those who are hurting. Isn't that a good idea? Isn't that a good thing? Having a structure set up? But there was one problem. Even though they had a great structure and a great idea, it was still going to be a system that was going to be managed by people. And these people still brought in that same tension from the world that they had. And look what it says. It says, the tension arose because the Hellenists had a complaint against the Hebrews, and they were saying that our widows are being neglected, neglected, neglected. That word in the Greek, what what it's saying there, the word essentially means if you were looking at two things and you choose one over the other, that means during the daily distribution, there would be a Hebrew widow and a Hellenist widow, and it would most likely be a Hebrew, and they would walk past them and serve the Hebrew and they would walk past the Hellenist because they wanted to meet their friends. And what they had in the church was a meet culture, not a reach culture. Because what they wanted to do was just connect with the people that they're most comfortable with. And they kept the same culture of the world and they instituted it into the church. And so this tension arose now notice, in Acts 6, it's not saying there was a food shortage. There was no shortage of resources. They had all the resources they need. There was no worker shortage. They didn't say, we don't have enough people. They, it wasn't an issue of their system. The problem was care. They didn't care. You see, in a church there's always going to be this tension of care versus comfort. Of breaking the natural comforts that you have to reach people. Of getting out your comfort zone to be with people you would not normally be with. That's why we set systems up of service. And so here's what they did. They said, guys, this can't be this way. We cannot still neglect people. There are people in our community that are feeling overlooked and neglected. And so we've got to not just change. Now notice, 
they didn't just try to change the system. They got the right people. What he says in Acts 6-2, he says, and the 12 summoned the full number of disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables, essentially saying that we've got to set up a different system. The pastor can't do everything. The the, the preachers can't do everything. They've got to be focused. So he says, Acts 6, verse 4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and ministry of the word. They said, this is an incredible issue, but we'll set up a system. We cannot be involved with it. So in Acts 6, verse 3, this is what he says. Brothers, do this. Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, who we will appoint to this duty. There are three things that he said. He said they've got to have a good reputation, they've got to be full of the spirit, and they've got to have wisdom. Now, working backwards, their wisdom, that's living life with skill, meaning that they wanted to make sure that this person would continue to give solutions where there were problems. They needed someone maybe with an administrative bin or an organizational quality. But that was the third thing he says. And when the Bible puts something in order, please pay attention to it, because there's a reason why they said they've got to be filled with the Spirit. We want to make sure that this person has the evidence of Jesus in their life that the spirit of God is fresh on them. And then he says they've got to have a good reputation. You know what a good reputation is? It's the feeling people get when they say your name. You have a reputation. And when your name comes up, people actually get in a mood. There is a feeling your name creates. And and it was a good reputation of the entire community. They weren't saying there was just a group. They needed somebody that could transcend the issue of the Hellenists and the Hebrews. We need somebody that's not going to get caught up in this cliquish, foolish, worldly dynamic. We need people that have a good reputation with the Hellenists and the Hebrews so they can be trusted. And so what they said was, let's choose these people. You choose them. When the Bible talks about being filled with the Spirit, it's it's not saying that you're speaking in tongues or that you are floating or that you're doing anything magical. What the Bible says when it's filled with the Spirit, the the filling of the Spirit has, has to do with the fact that you are not getting more of the Spirit, but the Spirit is getting more of you. Now, if you pray in tongues, I'll pray in tongues with you, and we can, Shonda and Honda, and do all that together. Me and you, somewhere, we can go to a coffee shop, do it all day. But that is not the indication of the Spirit. The the indication of the Spirit of God is boldness and love. I said this last week. It's worth saying again, boldly loving people is being bold to forgive, bold in patience, bold in kindness, bold in the kind of things that are interrupt the systems of our world. Boldness not because you say things to embarrass people, or you call people out, or you're able to always get attention. Not that kind of boldness. You don't need to be filled with this. There's a lot of things you get filled with to get bold. Amen, amen. No, we're talking about the spirit of God boldness. And that's what they were looking for in in these kind of men. And look what it says they did. They chose these guys based upon their reputation, based upon the spirit, based upon wisdom, and then they appointed them to a duty. I don't know what your church background is. Anybody here ever heard of an anointing? Somebody have an anointing? Some, some, some of y'all, when you heard that, you might have got scared, right? When I say the anointing, some people are like, don't, don't, don't talk about that. I heard that. I'm scared when I hear that, right? No, but the anointing is nothing, there's nothing good or bad in that word. It's just a word. The word idea is you are set apart to do a work. That God has set you apart with a certain, certain set of skills, that he has given you his spirit and he's given you a gifting and you have a unique anointing. And each one of you has an anointing. The worship leader does not have, is not the only one with an anointing. You have an anointing to do a work. The spirit of God is inside of you. He has gifted you to do said work. But if you notice, they were appointed after it was clear that they had good reputation filled with the spirit and filled with wisdom. 
Oftentimes people, maybe because they come from another church or people have told them great things about themselves, they want to let me know they have an anointing. And so they want me to give them an appointment. And the problem is they want an appointment without an obvious anointing. And what this is saying is, this is character and the spirit of God that's obvious. An anointing that's obvious, so much so that they don't need a title. Therefore, a title, in other words, what I'm trying to tell you is that these people were already doing this. They didn't need a title to encourage them or to define them in any way. They were already doing this kind of work. And in a church, it is so important that we are honoring the work and the spirit of God inside of people, the unique skills that God has given. God has given all of us unique skills, abilities. We must honor the Jesus in people and the gifting in people. Acts gives us this picture because they were starting from scratch. And here it is very easy as a church grows to overlook people. Overlooking them maybe because you have a particular belief about women or you have a particular belief about men or a particular belief about one race or another or just the way a person comes across or a person's past. That stifles you from allowing a person to fully live out the skills and gifting that God has given them. And and this, to me, is maybe the scariest verse in the Bible for me. I I think about this verse often. I talked about this last week. Mark chapter 6, verse 4 through 6. Crazy situation. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his household. Verse 5, and he was not able to do a miracle there, except he healed a few sick people. <laughs> Yo, this, is, this verse is amazing. The people here would not let Jesus be Jesus because they only saw him as Joseph's boy. They, they Basically, Jesus comes into Nazareth, and notice what it says. Jesus made it very clear I'm not honored in my hometown, amongst my relatives, in my own household. People don't honor where I am now. And so they only see me as Joseph's boy. And do you know what what that means? That means that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was in Nazareth, and there were literally people who were like sick, Talking to Jesus like, what's up, Jesus? How are you doing? He's like, ah, you know, I'm doing my thing. I'm healing people now, you know. And, and, and Jesus was like, you know, I could heal you. And they're like, nah, you Joseph's boy, right? Yeah, you need to heal that table. You're a carpenter, aren't you? Yeah, go fix that. Yeah, you, whatever you did in the past, you know. Because you're still your past, you know what I'm saying? You're still your past. And so in light of that, I won't let you do work on me. Jesus was begging people to be who he was, Jesus. And in light of Jesus not, letting, not being allowed to be Jesus, people didn't believe, he didn't do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Jesus wasn't allowed to be Jesus. Now, they didn't prevent him, but faith is the way that miracles happen. And we will prevent the work of God in our church if you do not allow Jesus to work through people. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Every system that we have set up was set up by a person. And it was set up that way so we can create a certain atmosphere and culture. And we did that so that we could allow people to operate in the gifting and skills that we believe God has set up here. And so when we create something, if, if you are on the Connect team, if you are on Bridge Kids, if you do slides, we are not your job. 
We can't make you do anything. But we want you to see the vision of what we're trying to create here. We want to create systems and structures, and we want to put things in place. And when you decide that you do not want to give your best or to be fully in the game, you dishonor the structure that we've put in place. And you may not frustrate the people, or if they're frustrated, they pretend they're not mad because we church. You know how we do in church. Like, hey, girl, you late. Okay, okay, it's cool. But they mad or whatever. You know, we do that in church. But the reality is that in church, we don't want to create a culture where we do things at a level, a low level, because when you walked in here, that first time there was something you connected to. And it was because we were trying to create an atmosphere. And what we want is we want people to be unleashed in the gifting and the the spirit of God in the way that they've been set up and the way that they've been made. And we want a, a reach culture. And we want to use you in that. When a person is trying to use the gift, their gifts in the body, and you don't submit to them, you prevent the work of Jesus. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time just so that you can hear what I'm saying. When a person is trying to use their gifts in this body and you do not submit, not saying that you're underneath them, but you're not allowing them to operate in that gifting, you are preventing the work of Jesus in our church. And in the same way, where Jesus couldn't be Jesus in Nazareth, Jesus can't be Jesus in this church because you're not letting Jesus operate through people. Because the Spirit of God, he's working through people, administratively, prophetically, every way we want God to be unleashed. But we've got to honor people. It is a weird thing when we give more energy to a job because it pays us and we give less energy to Jesus who paid it all. And I'm not, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to shame anyone. I'm just saying that we baptized six people in the service before. And that didn't happen because we just said, you know what, throw this stuff together. You know, let's put, we'll put the sound there. And just, y'all, did y'all practice? Y'all didn't practice? Okay, go ahead, go ahead, baby. Come on in, come on. Just, we didn't throw this, everything was organized. And there are places that you walk into, and when it's not organized, you go, this is my last time. Thank you. Right? You're like, this is a mess. And you love, you love, there's things about this church you love. And since you love it, then let us lead you. And be a part of it. And be all in. Don't be halfway. So the structures we're creating is to create a reach culture. And we want people to fit into the structures that we have. And every Sunday when we go to the back with the worship team and we get prepared, we come to the middle and we say, be the bridge on three. One, two, three, be the bridge. And we're trying to create a team atmosphere. And what we're trying, even when we say be the bridge, we are trying to say bridge church is not just a a name of a church. Reaching people where they are is not just a purpose statement because purpose statements and names of churches do not change anyone. People can know the name of a church and you can know the purpose statement of a church, but that does not mean you embody the culture. The culture of our church is embodied in you, your belief in it, your belief that God wants to reach people through us. It's a culture. Culture is the combination of your values and beliefs, but someone's got to incarnate the culture. Someone's got to have that reach mentality. Someone's got to decide that they're not going to fall into any kind of Hellenist or Hebrew mentality, but they are going to transcend that and they are going to be a person to walk across the room. To be whatever structure we put in place, to be there and put all your energy into it. And to show up and sign up and do everything we're trying to do in order to reach more people. And as I talked about a couple weeks ago, there are a lot of things we're not gonna be doing this year. 
Because although we get great ideas, great ideas without leaders to support it, it will never flourish. And we have decided to put our leaders mostly in our teams and our city groups this year because we want to be able to support people in, in a smaller amount of spaces so we can give more support, more energy. But it is not just our structures. When you have a church, oftentimes you fall into the 80-20 rule where 20% of the people do all the work. And that's like a leader-led culture. You only go as far as the leaders that you have. And then there's a church that doesn't get anything done, and they're a leader-less culture. But what we want to be is a leader-full culture. We want everyone to know that they are a leader here by way of God's Spirit living inside of them. We don't want to create this crowd versus field culture. What we have, what we've instituted here in the church is a leadership ladder. Many of you will see it. On this leadership ladder, what we have is that in any team, we have team members. Whether you are on the worship team, whether you are on Bridge Kids, we have set these teams up so that we could reach people. And if you are a team member, all we're asking you to do is sign up, show up, and have a reach culture spirit. Whatever you're doing. And what we want then is we want people to ascend up that ladder where when you're faithful with being a team member, we eventually want you to be a team leader and eventually become a coach, eventually become a director. And it doesn't matter where you're at. Many of you know Janelle Bechdahl. Janelle Bechdahl is the director of strategy and operations at our church. She was baptized a year and a half ago. When we baptized her, it was great. It was like, great, Janelle. And then Janelle all of a sudden gets involved with the worship team. And once she gets involved with the worship team, all of a sudden she starts going to her city group. And then when she goes to her city group, all of a sudden she ends up leading a city group. And then we start seeing her skills. And we were just like, hey, why don't we just allow you to just flourish in your gifting and your skill set? And all of a sudden she's a director. And we believe that that can be anyone here. And we don't believe that your past defines you. We don't even believe that you have to be a certain person. We just want to see you be faithful with a few things. There are oftentimes people who want to preach, and we are actually creating a preaching ladder at our church. But in that preaching ladder, I can tell you now, if you want to preach up here, I pray you're a Connect Team member out there. I don't know why you want to talk to the whole crowd when you don't talk to people out there. If you want to preach, then know that you most likely need to lead a city group where you're leading people and talking in a, as a discussion leader because we want you to be able to talk to people. This is a matter of talking to people. And I can tell you this, a word on preaching, just so you know. Many people think preaching is about being able to talk. It's not. Just like leading, if you want to be a great leader, first be a great follower. If you want to be a great preacher, first be a great listener. You'll be better at communicating to the heart of people when you know people, when you're able to walk with people, sit with people, and know them. You see, we're just wanting people to be faithful and then slowly ascend and climb, and we want to fill in all those slots because we believe that you have gifting and your background does not define you. And so what we're going to be doing every Sunday is we're going to start having this thing called Serving Spotlight. Once we are about to do um, the giving portion of our service, we'll be doing a Serving Spotlight, and we're going to talk about different areas where we can serve. And we'll have somebody either come and give a testimony, or, but what they're saying is, hey, we need people on our team. And I think that one of the things we do is sometimes we think, oh, the team is a team. The team isn't a team. The team is most likely a person. It's like when you say, I don't want to be on that team. It's like, I don't want to help Vic out. If you say, if you say I don't want to be on the Bridge Kids, it's like, I don't want to help Jessica. I don't want to help. What I'm saying is stop seeing Bridge Kids and the brand. See people. 
It's a team of people. It's not, we're, this is not Costco. We're not like Burger King. We're a team of people. And we want you to join the team of people. And we, want, and we believe that God has gifted you to join teams. And so this Sunday, we will talk about Bridge Kids. And we want you to join that team. Praise God. Praise God. Now, by God's grace, we've been adding people to that team and continuing on, but that will be our system of recruitment. We will give a serving team spotlight every Sunday, and we'll have you text in where you, uh, once we announce it, you'll be able to text in where you can serve in that particular ministry. One of the things, though, that we realize is that we do not want to just set up a system for internal service. We also want to set up a system for external service because the reality as a church, we've realized there's just so many things that we can be involved with, so many things that we can do. And we believe that in order to really reach the city, we're better off creating partnerships than trying to create our own ministry, whereas we end up trying to do more than we have, we're really equipped to do. And so one of the ministries that we're partnering with this year is Young Life. Genevieve, Genevieve is going to come up and tell you about how you can get more connected to the Young Life Ministry. Give it up for Genevieve. Thanks, Pastor James. I didn't get to say this in the last service because he gave me 90 seconds. And I'm like, 90 seconds? Well, you, got, you got more time now. You know, I, I heard it was the little clock hour this hour. Yeah, yeah, Give yeah. Give it up for yourselves, yes. Go ahead. And I wanted to say this about your pastor. This man is a man of God who mm. believes in people. He said, give it up for your pastor. You got that money? Yeah. How much, how much you need? Huh? How much money you need? I mean, oh, okay, okay. Just, just a few, just a few. Just okay, okay nah, coins. And I swear, I promise this is going to be really quick this when I was, I met with Pastor James when he was first coming to the city, him and his wife, and um, I told him I was in ministry and I was trying to, you know, um, I was still doing ministry in the Red Hook Housing Projects at the time, and he was so excited about it, and I don't know how to tell you that sometimes we go out to pastors and we tell them what we're doing, and they, okay, good, we'll, we'll call you. No, he was like, literally, let's see what we could do. How could I get it? <laughs> Natasha was so supportive. They have literally supported me in ministry. So just give it up one more time. He walk it like he took it. Hey. He walk it like he took it. So I'm up here because teens in Brooklyn are experiencing so much oppression. They are alone. They are afraid. They do not have the support they need. And, um... They are devastated by the circumstances that they live in. And I know that because I was a teen growing up here in Brooklyn, and I had a lot of the same experiences, the experiences of the students that I serve and love and the projects I experienced as a child. And I remember thinking, I wished I had a young life leader. Mm. I wish that someone would have come along. Eventually, in high school, I did get a young life leader. And she came to the school, met me, and she started to tell me about who I really was and who God said I was. Amen. And I was like, what is this? Who is this lady? Who let her in here? Like, she's a, <laughs> she's a creeper. What is this? <laughs> but I remember how much she loved me, and I recognized that that, these, that event, and she's still in my life, that relationship that carried me all these years, it changed the trajectory of my life yeah. that I'm standing here before you on a Sunday night wow. telling you that you need to come be a young life leader in Brooklyn <laughs> because, um, you know, you have so much. The, your leadership team, Pastor Russell, Barry, all y'all, all your pastors, they are so bomb and they deposited so much in you. And the Lord has done, the Lord himself has deposited so much in you that God is inviting you now to go invest that in the life of a young person in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. You can change the trajectory of their life. Amen. So just if you want to know more about that, if you want to know more about meeting students in the projects, in the community centers, in the schools, come connect with me in the back. My name is G, and thank you so much for your thank time. Thank you, Genevieve. Thank you so much. Love you, too. Love you. The other ministry that we're partnering with this year is Youth for Christ. I wonder if you give it up for Philip. Come on up, Philip. Yeah. All right, God bless you guys. Uh, my name is Phil, and I'm the Juvenile Justice Ministry Director 
uh, for YFC, NYC Youth for Christ. And our goal, our sole mission, is to uh, mentor and mobilize the church to mentor incarcerated kids in New York City. And I'm so grateful, because Pastor James was just talking about it, that you have a church that is focused and that is dedicated to an atmosphere where you would feel Jesus. Because that mm. means that if you guys are feeling Jesus here, you're taking him out there. Amen. And that works for me because 1.2 million children this year are going to be arrested. Mm. And 500,000 of them are going to be placed in long-term detention. Mm. And these are kids who are lonely. These are kids who are systemically injusticed. Mm. And they need to be reached, mm. right? They need to be reached so that they can feel Jesus the way that you're feeling him here, mm. right? And they need to be bridged yes, so that they can go from their story to God's story. So how do we mm. do that? Mm. What we do is we go in there. We hang out with them in the halls. We play spades with them, which is a language. Which is a ministry, yes. It's a ministry. Yeah. God, God works through Big do... Joker, Little Joker. He works That's through big it. Big Joker, Little Yeah, he works I through it. So I learned how to play spades in jail. Oh, wow. Uh, and it's a language. I learned from our kids. It, it, it's a language. You, we play spades with them. We do push-ups with them. I don't clearly don't do the push-ups. <laughs> but, but, but we do life with them, and that's what's important. We do life with them when we introduce them to God's story. We use our story. We use their story and connect it through God's story. And when we were given this opportunity by ACS, Administration for Children's Services, they're the big dogs, uh, someone's clapping over here. Um, we were given this opportunity uh, that we came to them and we said, hey, we want to stop recidivism. Right? Because if you're arrested between, uh, under the age of 16, there's an 80% chance that you're going to go back in. We said, hey, we want to stop recidivism. They said, how are you going to do that? We had to be honest. We're youth for Christ. Right? So we had to say, we're going to give them the gospel. Right? How are you going to do that? How are we going to bring people to do that? How are you going to mentor these kids? And we told them with all the confidence in the world, that we have the greatest network of all time, and that's the church. Mm. Um, and I hope that the church would not make liars of us. Mm. Right? So if you want to join us and you want to be a part of this, we need you. I pray that even one of you would do it. I'll be in the back. We can talk. We can chat. You can sign up to be a part of our mailing list so that we can connect. But, but we need you. These kids need you. Thank you, guys. Amen. Thank you, Philip. Appreciate you. Well, one last way I want to talk about how we're going to connect people this year. So we're doing a cool thing. As the church grows, like I said, we're doing one service because we want people to meet people. As we're growing, it's hard to connect to people. And what we realized was we are going to do something monthly so that we can hear people's stories. So we're doing a thing called Open House. Now, Open House is functioning like membership, but the difference is, is that in an open house, you are wanting to get involved with that. Uh, you're wanting to buy a place, obviously, but what we're, what we're, the opportunity we're giving you is so that you can get connected. You can hear about the service opportunities. You can hear a little bit more about us, and we can hear your story. In order to do that, we give you lunch, amen, and that's on this Saturday, and we give an Uber code to those that go so that it's a $25 Uber code so that we can pay your way there and we give you lunch while you're there. And that is all because and we have an agenda, and it is a clear agenda. That's why we do an Uber code. We only do Uber codes for this. And we have a clear, <laughs> we have, we have a clear agenda, and that is this. As the church has grown, honestly, we just don't know people like we used to, all right? And so we want to create a smaller environment to get to know people so that we can hear their story more. So we're going to be doing this every single month. Our first open house is this Saturday. You'll hear more about it during the announcements, but I just want you to hear um, why you're going to be hearing certain new announcements. Uh, it's because we're trying to make sure we have a culture where we're reaching people, getting them connected, making sure they're growing and they're serving. Amen? Well, as I close... I would be remiss if I didn't just remind you to get in the game. That there is no sideline and there is no crowd at our church. We will create space, whether it's in a city group, whether it's on a serving team, whether it's on your job, whether it's at Youth for Christ or Young Life, we want you to be in the game. I wonder if you'd stand with me real quick. I want you to do something real, real fun with me. I wonder if you can go into the Middle of the aisle, just come into the middle, 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 all right? And then just start coming forward, just start coming forward, just start coming forward, just come forward, yep, just move forward. And then huddle, huddle up, huddle up, let's huddle up, let's huddle up, let's huddle up. 
come, don't, don't get scared. Come closer. Come closer. Close, closer. Closer, 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 closer. All right, all right. Listen, every Sunday, we say to people, be the bridge. Bridge Church is not just the name of our church, it's the spirit of our church. We want to reach people where they are. We want you to be the bridge. We want you to embody that spirit. We mean that with all of our hearts. It is not just about serving on a team. It is not just about joining Youth for Christ. We want you to be the bridge wherever you are. We want you to be the bridge. And we are a team. We're not just a group. We're not just a church. We're a team of people that God is unleashing. So let's get a little hype music. Yeah. All right? So just like we're going to go out every week, ministry is not the weekend. Ministry is during the week. Amen? Amen. Be the bridge. Be the bridge. So like a good team. There you go. Bring it in. 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 And put your hand on somebody. Put your hand on somebody. Lean forward. Lean forward. Be the bridge on three. One, two, three. Be the bridge. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you, and we hope to see you soon.